picture. What style is that? Meet me at the London. If you got time, we could run one. Hey, stop playing. You know that song is live, right? Hey, for real, for real, for real. Thank you for listening to FarsideTV.com. You are listening to Sidelife Radio. As always, I'm your host, Adisa Banjoko, aka the Black Dragon of the West Side, aka Zatoichi. A.K.A. the Iron Hook Assassin. A.K.A. the Dead Sea Saracen. Still swashbuckling on all you fools out there. Bishop Chronicles is the world's first podcast giving you West Coast perspectives on hip-hop, MMA, and health and fitness trends. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody out there lacing your cranium with this here vibranium like a decent a bishop that's me how you living nice to meet you you know what i'm saying now listen it's very simple you can either be down now or you can bow down later but the west coast ogs we stay greater you know what i mean so thank you for taking time to listen today understand that um if this is your first time listening this may not be the best thing a buddy showing up is the worst thing a chicka boom you know, uh, I hope you're having a fantastic day, and I'm really hoping that that fantastic day expands into a fantastic week. I'm going to need you to do one thing for the OG one time before we really get started, though. I need you to go to Spotify, iTunes, or Mixcloud and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? If you're on uh, Mixcloud or iTunes, man, leave a note, man. Just like one sentence, like dope show. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, this was hot. You know what I mean? I need that. You know what I'm saying? My producer, Mike Realm, you know what I'm saying? He needs that. You know what I'm saying? So one time, you know what I'm saying? Lace the OGs. Subscribe real quick. As always, you know, if you're trying to holler at a scholar, you can just get at me directly on IG at Real Hip Hop Chess. At Real Hip Hop Chess. You know what I'm saying? And now we about to start this London episode from the top. Of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, yeah. Now, you might be saying to yourself, you know what I'm saying? I've, I've heard this show before, you know what I'm saying? My, my, my trill listeners. And man, what is going on with Adis right now? You know what I'm saying? He not, he not wilding, you know what I'm saying? Normally, you hear the OG, you know what I'm saying? Normally, you hear the, the, the South Bay Shogun really going off and wilding in the opening of the show. Let me be clear right now. You talking to a man who's hella sick. People be like, yo, how come you don't be on YouTube, Deez, bruh? You know why? Because the situation's like right now. I have MRSA staff and I have Empitigo on my face, bro. I look like a mix of uh, a biblical leper and one of the clumps, man. I have like swollen lymph nodes. My face has a crazy rash on it. This is why I don't this is, this is why you don't see much video with me, bro, cuz I, I I fear these days, you know what I'm saying? Um, I caught staff uh, while traveling coming back from London, you know what I'm saying? Um, I had a great time in London. This, there's going to be a two-parter. This show and the next show is all going to be about my excursions in London. You know what I'm saying? And it was amazing. And I, and I really hope people get out and travel more, especially like if you got low self-esteem because of the state of America right now, go abroad, man. It will inspire you. You know what I'm saying? Um, you will see beautiful things abroad and you will appreciate certain things about America at the same time. 
but um, I'm sick, man. I'm really sick. I got low energy. It is 1.07 in the morning for me right now. Um, and like I fell asleep earlier and just passed out. I, I had to go to the hospital. It was a bunch of stuff. But here's the beauty. I'm past that. Meaning like I'm healing. Okay. But is but but recovering from MRSA because it's deadly, it takes a lot out of you. Like you get tired doing nothing, and that's all I've been doing is nothing. But I wasn't gonna let this show not happen, dog. I was not gonna let this show not happen. I have been blessed. I've been having so much fun. I've been having so many physical, mental uh breakthroughs, spiritual breakthroughs. I'm in a great place. I'm just hurting right now. So I need you to bear with me if you feel the energy is low. But here we go. Um, so, yeah, London, let's talk about it. I'm going to open this giving uh, props to the people who looked out for me while I was in London. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about Northside Q. I'm talking about Shafiq. I'm talking about Shaban. I'm talking about my man Stefan. I'm talking about Jordan. You know what I mean? Uh, had a great time. People really looked out. I'm talking about Dead Prez. What's up, Stick, bro? Salute you, Playboy. You know what I mean? Um, Shout out to Dead Prez for giving a dope show. Shout out to Havoc uh, for the Mob Deep show. We're going to talk about that in a minute, you know. So, you know, the first thing's first, man. You know, I haven't been on an international flight in a long time, so getting on was fresh. And uh, I flew Virgin Atlantic, all right. Um, quick note. Uh, one, I had a great flight. No complaints. It was a smooth flight. You know, I'm someone who really... Uh, has been afraid to fly, you know, uh, over the years uh, after I had a bad international experience coming back from Germany. What's up to Nim and AK? Y'all remember that when the plane dropped, bro? <laughs> yeah, coming out of Germany. What? Anyway, I've been a panicked fool ever since, but I know I've been... Y'all be like, he's always talking about stoicism. I have to admit that, you know, practicing stoicism has helped make me a much less panicked um, person. Plus, I think my own near-death experience may be like, come on, bro, if you're going to kick the bucket, you're going to kick it. But Virgin Atlantic had a fantastic flight. I do recommend um, when you're flying, like if you're worried about the quality of food on any flight, you should always ask for a kosher meal. Kosher meals are always going to be good. Halal meals are always going to be good. So always ask for a kosher or a halal meal because your meal is always good and you get served first. A lot of people don't realize that. So you like, oh, you got the money. Man, because I, I asked for a kosher meal. I asked for a halal meal. You know what I'm saying? You get them early. Um, I didn't sleep on the plane. A lot of y'all know I don't sleep well. It was a nine-hour flight. I I might have, I meditated for 45 minutes. I might have slept for 15 minutes, but I didn't sleep sleep. Uh, you know what I did? I got on and on the Virgin Atlantic thing, they got hella music. And some of it's, you know, fairly new and some of it's kind of old. But I said, you know, what? I'm going to listen to music that I know I wouldn't have actually sat with, you know, regardless. So I sat with a few albums. I sat with um, whatever that first Cardi B album was. Because uh, I heard different songs, but I never listened to her album. I thought her album was dope, actually. Uh, my favorite song on the album, though, was the first and the last. I liked Get Up 10. Cardi B's Get Up 10 is hard, and I don't care what none of y'all say. If you really peep, that beat, the first half of it, she's kind of busting like almost acapella spoken word. But if you listen to the second half, and forgive me for not um, remembering the name of the producer of that particular track, Get Up 10, is produced hella sick by somebody down in Atlanta. But if you really listen to the way the second half of that beat is produced, it's really kind of like a trapped out version of Run by Ghostface. If you really peep the production, that's what happens in that second half. And I love it, but the whole point is um, that Get Up 10, that's a flip of a judo maxim. You know, when you talk about martial arts and hip-hop, 
In the song, Cardi B says, I look myself in the mirror and say, we gonna win, knock down nine times, but I get up ten. That's a judo maxim, right? Where you get thrown over and over, but you keep getting up, man. So when people talk about martial arts and hip-hop, and I'm even so late on this album that I'm even peeping that she's bringing judo lines into hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? But I liked her album. I listened to Nicki Minaj's album um, that went, came out around the same time. Because, I, you know, again, I listen to the singles, man, but I'm not going to listen to the whole albums of a lot of people. Um, just because I'm old and whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, I actually liked... Cardi B's album better than Nicki's. Nicki's album was dope, and I acknowledge that she writes all of her stuff. I don't know whether Cardi B does. I think she does. I'm not really sure. At this point, I don't really care. A lot of people have had ghostwriters through the history of the game, and I don't really care. And I understand, like, if it's real hip-hop, this and that or whatever. But I also understand that, you know, sometimes people just like to write rhymes for other people. That's just the reality, you know what I'm saying? Um, I also listened to A Boogie with the Hoodie, um... Hoodie season Pfft. record is dope. He's one of these uh, younger auto-tune rappers, and I know a lot of OGs hate. But here's a question. If you're an OG and you hate on auto-tune rappers, especially if you're from the West Coast, but just period, how do you honor your love for George Clinton and um, how do you honor your, your love for Zap and Roger? Like, that's all auto-tune. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we hate on that? Especially like if we came up on the Johnson crew and 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 Soul Sonic Force, but you hating on autotune, right? That's hella weak. Anyway, the thing reason why I like A Boogie with the hoodie is I like his beats and I like how he uses his autotune. He has like a low tone that he uses and a high tone that he uses. But the difference, the thing that for me that separates A Boogie across from other dudes is to me he can actually rap. He can rap. That dude's that dude got bars to me. His flows are fresh to me. Um, he ain't necessarily, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's talking about what young people talk about. You know what I'm saying? Running around, clubbing, a little dope and, and partying. And you know what I'm saying? Uh, there's not a lot of conscious stuff on there. So nobody be like, man, why are you promoting it? Listen, I grew up on NWA and Tupac, man. I grew up on the Two Live crew. You know what I'm saying? And so did you if you're from my era. Yeah, but A Boogie with the hoodie is dope to me. I like uh, The Reaper. Oh, hold on. So for Cardi B, I like Get Up 10. And I like, um, I think the song is called I Do What I Like. It's the last song on there with SZA at the pff, fresh. But she had a lot of dope tracks on that record. You know what I'm saying? Um, the reason why I like Cardi B's record over Nicki Minaj's is Nicki Minaj, even though she writes her own stuff, I felt like the sound of her album was overproduced and she was trying to do it too big. Like she was trying to have everybody on her album, have all kinds of sounds on her album. I felt like Cardi B had more continuity. Um, but A Boogie's album was dope. Um, the Reaper is a great song. Um... I think he had a song, something called Closure, that was fresh. Billie Jean is my favorite song on that album. And he had a lot of songs on there that I liked. I'm not going to front. Um, so I landed in the afternoon. It was cool. Went over to Shafiq's place, chilled out, and then um, crashed out. And then the next day, Shafiq took me to Brixton, which is the black area, right? It's like the Oakland of London, you know what I'm saying? Um... But just like Oakland is getting gentrified, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of weird. It's weird to see how uh, some of these global patterns 
really keep popping off. It don't really matter where you at, you know. Um, we went to Brixton Village first. <sighs> Listen to when I tell you the food is off the chain. Listen to when I tell you. And uh, we went into this place called Eat of Eden. Eat of Eden. If you go to my IG, Real Hip Hop Chess, you can see some clips from some of the stuff that, you know, little spots that I was at. Listen, Brixton Village is, is so popping. There's so much food, man, right? Eat of Eden, wings. What is it called? Like fish wings and things. Uh, they got some Colombian spot up in there. There's at the very end, man, uh, an amazing pizza place. Like pff, all the food, right? So we ran around Brixton, went to some bookstores. Um, like I think was a place called Waterford's, Water, Watersons, something. Bookstore, like six stories. I'm a nerd. What do you think happens to a nerd in a six-story bookstore? I almost had a, a, a stroke player, a stroke. Um, the food all over London is amazing. They do have a candy store that I went into, forgetting the name of it, downtown. Listen, they be selling American candies for like $6 a box. Mike and Ike's. First of all, you know what they had? I ain't never even seen these, and you know I'm a candy fanatic. They had Sour Apple Mike and Ike's selling them for like six bucks a box. Bruh, if we went to Costco and just like, I just put all that stuff in my luggage, dog, we could ball. That's all I'm saying. Um, the food in London's crazy. A lot of people think London's just gonna have hella white people. Not true. It's like going to New York or San Francisco. There's everybody over there, bro. Most of the black population seem to be Somali and Jamaican, Nigerian, you know what I'm saying? Different kind of West African vibes. But man, the vibe was so cool. The vibe was so cool. Um, it's kind of hard to explain how not racist it is to be walking around there. Now, I'm not saying that London and the UK don't have their own brand of racism, they do. They absolutely do. But one of the things that I didn't experience once in London, and I was out there for two weeks, that I didn't, that I can experience today in the Bay, right, is I can get on this train, on the bar train, okay, or just go around in any mall, right, or, or whatever, be in Oakland, San Francisco, and like, Standing at a corner, going to the train, coming out of the train. I'll see like the average white woman or, you know, another kind of woman. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying white just to make it a point because I was in London. And, you know, I'll see white women clutch their purse, be like scooting over like when I show up. Or everybody will like, there'll be an open seat next to me on the train and, and no one will sit next to me because I'm the black dude. And I can be suited up because, you know, I'd be suited up with my bow tie, you know what I'm saying? And my vest like, uh, right? Still be scared. Or I can be in my UFC uh, 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 hoodie, right? And, and You know what I'm saying? And, and people still be scared, right? I didn't have an instance, an incident where I was going around London and, and people were clutching their purse when I showed up. Um, a lot of the white women and the white men, they were just chilling. They were just chilling. Saw a lot of interracial couples, didn't see anybody getting sweated, and it was really interesting. It actually made me feel like America, especially, you know, when I leave America, it's like with all these mass shootings happening, and we're building a wall, and we got Mexican kids in cages, and we're breaking up families, and, you know, all this stuff, and, you know, we tweeting about senators to kick up dust, and I'm watching, you know, is the president racist, and da 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 and then you get to England, right? You know what I'm saying? Europe is like the home of the white man, you know what I'm saying? And, like... Back in Europe, 
you don't have the same kind of on the surface tension. There may be structural issues, right? And there's still gang issues. And, you know, I'm going to talk more about music in the next episode. But I mean, like they have this music out there called grime and it's really deeply tied into grime music is tied into the gang culture out there. You know what I mean? So I know that all that stuff happened, but I never saw white women trip off my presence alone and be shook in a grocery store or whatever. And that happens all the time in America. And it really made me feel like America is not um, where it could or should be. You know, we be getting hyped on who we are. And, you know, um, there's a certain amount of beauty and grace and power and like kind of brashness that comes with being American. That's dope. But like where we're at racially, man, it's not really acceptable. It's not really acceptable. Europe shouldn't be beating us on surface experiences. You know, we should be able to acknowledge each other as human beings better, you know, because I'm, I'm watching I'm watching the difference in, in London, man, you know. And so, um, you know, had a good time out there. Amazing food. Oh, man. Uh, I ate at this place called uh, Sushi Samba. On the 39th floor of a skyscraper player, overlooking the whole damn city, you heard? It was so dope. Food was out of control. What do you know about sea bass tempura? Hmm? Sitting on a bed of vegetables and some kind of crazy sauce. It's like this Peruvian sushi mix, man. Beautiful. Had a great time. Also edited a place called Cedar in Tooting, you know, south side London. Um, that was amazing. Lebanese place had some, uh, I think it was trout. <sighs> so good with, uh, am I saying it right? Fatouche, is that the salad? So good. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then, you know, there was also all kinds of really just good food out there. Like, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine and he was like, you know, in America, cause he had just went to the Netherlands. I'm talking about my man, Dr. Pete, shout out Dr. Pete. Uh, at the SF Goldman, follow him. And so he was like, yo, it's funny how like out here people will be at like Safeway, right? Which is like whatever. He goes in every average market in Europe is always better than every average market in America. It's so real. The food quality, the vegetable quality, you know, the cheese quality, like it's different, man. And they have a lot of these Polish markets, right? And the Polish markets have a lot of great food in them. Uh, natural food. So, man, I was having a great time out there, man. I was having a great time in London. And, man, I saw graffiti out there, bro. We're going to talk about that more in the next next episode. Um, I encourage Americans to travel more. And I encourage Europeans to travel more. Come to America. Check it out. See what's up, right? Like, the internet... Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's bringing us all closer anyway. We might as well start hitting up each other's countries. We might as well start getting out. We might as well start meeting other people, you know, and start understanding that there's just really just one planet. Look at the Amazons on fire, bro. For real. Come on, man. Like, we got to do better. We watching the, the ice caps melt, man. We got to do better to help each other because neglecting each other, we're neglecting ourselves. For real. There is no other. You know what I'm saying? We be playing games around race, religion, political party, as if we all don't suffer. We're all helping each other suffer, man. I'm not being no hippied out nerd. I'm, I'm telling you. 
that when you let the Amazon burn, when you act like America's so cool, we can't learn nothing from Europe. When you act like Europe's so cool, you can't learn nothing from Africa or India or Saudi Arabia. Come on, man. We, we only got one planet, one people. It's one love for real. For real. I had two really amazing hip-hop highlights while I was out there. The first was I went to see Dead Prez. Yeah, Dead Prez and Mob Deep and some other amazing artists performed. It was really dope, you know, mixed crowd, racially, culturally, and um, economically, uh, different religions, all these people under the same roof, you know, and it was fantastic. Uh, obviously, you know, Mob Deep is really just havoc, and uh, unfortunately, I'm forgetting the name of the other dude that was doing Prodigy's verse, but you know what, man? That show was sick, and the crowd knew all the lyrics. When, when Dead Prez came up, the crowd knew all the lyrics, and it was really powerful to see so many amazing people together, unified uh, through hip-hop, you know what I'm saying, to help young people. Uh, in other parts of the world. It was it was moving, it was moving. The other thing that happened is I went to Somerset House, which has a very amazing exhibit on Black Britons called Get Up, Stand Up. Very dope. And uh, Somerset House is this amazing place. And if you've been on my page, you've seen, I've, I've posted some clips. They showed straight out of Compton outdoors at night and like so many people came out. And it was really interesting because before the show, they had a DJ playing West Coast Classics. You would have thought she was in L.A. or the Bay. I'm trying to tell you, they was playing old school N.W.A., old school Cube, old school jams from all over the West. And then this dude got up and spoke from Somerset House and he was just talking about the impact that N.W.A. had in the world. And I'm tripping out because y'all remember, you know, Easy's the reason why I started writing anyway. Easy's the reason you're even listening to me. If I don't meet Easy E and, and interview him first as a youngster, um, there's no Bishop Chronicles. Period. Period. And um, in fact, if you go to bishopchronicles.com, you can actually check out the episode about meeting Easy, and it's called Straight Out of High School. Yeah, coming straight out of high school. And you'll, you'll see me and Easy. You know what I'm saying? Dude, it's crazy. You know, so to watch and see London have love for the West like that, I mean, it was crazy, man. Crazy. Also, shout out to giraffes. Had a great meal at giraffes. Ridiculous. Um, had a great time, man. Had a great time. And so now we're going to jump into my first interview. I got two interviews. I got two interviews. I got an interview with Simon Perkis and his team from Perling London. Perling London makes the most amazing chessboards. And I ain't gonna lie, bruh. A lot of these can be expensive. They are hand-painted boards that sell at Harrods. We talk about Harrods a lot. Harrods is like the high-end Nordstrom's. All right? Harrods is a dope store. And I, I, I hate that I haven't gone there because I went there when I was young. Like when I was like 18, I needed to go back. But like Perling London... Basically, they connect with amazing artists to make one-of-a-kind chessboards, and they sell them, and it's dope. And some of the stuff has, you know, it's artists, man. You know, so, so the art has meaning, all right? And you're going to hear from one of uh, the main collaborators with Simon on the show, and she is going to break down. 
this amazing set that she made honoring the issue of the environment, specifically the ocean, right? There's so much that can be done with chess and art. And so I can't wait for you to hear this. This is Simon Perkis and Nett. And uh, so in this interview, you're going to hear me talk with Simon and Nett. And we're going to talk about art. How do they pick artists to do these chess boards? How, how do we put causes artistically on the boards that we build on man i'm trying to tell you that like this thing about chess and music and art is so crucial to humanity's interaction and martial arts i'm telling you this is this is going to be a great conductor this isn't a magic pill i'm not pushing this is like uh some utopian thing but i'm telling you if if you if you if you look at the chessboard and and the potential that you know when 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 we talk about like we're looking for the next thing in chess all the time right we're looking for the next thing in martial arts we're looking for the next thing in music right and it's always within us it's always really within us right so when people say oh well you know chess doesn't seem like it's 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 big enough or as big as it should be you know you know why because too many times and nobody wants to have this conversation too many times a lot of the decisions about what happens in the chess world are made by people who are diehards in chess. They're so diehard in the chess that they don't even exercise all of the opportunity there is to embrace the rest of humanity. And it's the rest of humanity that plays chess. It's like, look at how many grandmasters and, and international masters that there are. Weigh that against the rest of humanity. Bro, the rest of humanity doesn't play chess to be uh, champions of the world. They just love the game. And they love music. And no matter where they're from, there's a martial arts in their country. Right? And so we, 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 we need to use jazz more effectively to communicate, hip-hop more effectively to communicate, rock, punk, you know, uh, 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 all music, man, can be used, you know? And, and, and when we look at the limits and we say that these limits, that there's these limits that's in chess, these are not limits in chess. These are limits within the human minds of those that run the culture. And that's a difference, man. There's a difference. There's so much more opportunity in the game than we're allowing because we're not opening it up. What do we got to do to make chess more attractive to young women? What do we got to make more chess more attractive to young kids? It's already there. It's already within us. We just have to be willing to do it. We have to be able to reach out. I remember when I was saying 10, 12 years ago, look, there's this, there's this really deep thing between connection between hip-hop and chess, between chess and jiu-jitsu. But, oh, man, what, whatever, man. I don't think it's real, bro. And now everybody's saying it like they always felt that. And they didn't. They didn't. But they saw the Wu-Tang. And they saw Public Enemy. And they saw DJs like Grandmaster Flash. And they saw DJs like Qbert. And they saw different B-boys throughout the world. Shout out Profo One. Shout out Rob One. All right? Come on, man. Shout out Zulu Gremlin. What's up? Y'all know what it is. I know what I'm talking about. And you know that I know what I'm talking about. And that's part of the reason you listen. And that's why this human family is fantastic. So right now, listen to my man Simon Perkis and Nett talking about art chess music and the beautiful potential within that oh and you know what they have 
at the Pearling London thing, they were showing me virtual chess, man. Crazy. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I never did uh, VR chess, man. Unbelievable. I'm in a library looking up. There's a ceiling chandelier. There's music. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you. There's so much potential for chess to unite the world. So much more potential for chess to help us go inside ourselves and figure out who we are. All right. Listen to this interview. Enjoy it. This is part one, part two. I'm interviewing jujitsu master Stefan Zoll. Okay. Up in Leeds, which is about two hours outside of London. And we're talking about his crazy journey going from hardcore soccer monster to jujitsu practitioner and master and running and teaching in Saudi Arabia, you know, his philosophy. He's like a warrior scholar. There's so much going on, man. I can't wait to share both of these episodes with you. I have much more to share with you. I am healing. I I have gotten a lot of great messages from you guys online about my MRSA. I want to thank you. I'm healing. It's a slow road, but I'm bouncing back slowly but surely. Shout out to all my doctors. Shout out to my parents for looking out for the OG when I came back because I was wrecked. You know what I'm saying? And again, thank you to everybody who helped make London possible. Um, Super, again, thankful to stick. And M1 and everybody at Dead Prez for, you know what I'm saying, getting me and my squad in. And we, we, had a, we had a fantastic time. Fantastic food. Fantastic fun. I got more to share with y'all. All right? Enjoy this. Pearling London. Follow at Pearling London right now so you can see the boards because I'm talking about high-end art. And I need you to see what we're talking about. Oh, it's just an art, you know, a chessboard with stuff on it. No. Go to PearlingLondon.com. See the beauty of it. Bishop Chronicles, FarsideTV.com. You can't get this nowhere else. Embrace the game. Check it. Peace to the planet Earth. You know what it is. Adisa Banjogo, the Bishop of Hip Hop, live and direct. This is the Bishop Chronicles. Don't I tell you, you know what I'm saying? I'm a world traveler player. I told you. I get around. You should ask Tupac about that. What I'm saying is this. I am in London, at Pearling, London. With Simon Perkis and Nettie Robinson, they make the sickest chessboards in the game. The sickest ones. Dope designs, um, original concepts, man, truly. So thank you both for being on Bishop Chronicles. Hi, sure. Pleasure, yes. Nice Maybe. to meet you finally. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? We've been talking on the phone and texting or whatever. We've yeah, been but- DMing each other respectfully that's it respectful dming (laughs) it's important to note that you know what i'm saying welcome to london thank you thank you um so tell people what pearling london does and why because i love your boards you do amazing things but like to someone that doesn't understand the value of what you do this merging of art and chess talk to me sure So uh, we collaborate with contemporary artists and street artists and famous artists uh, to create one-off hand-painted chessboards based on the Staunton design. And um, yeah, we've collaborated with some really cool artists, including Sophie Matisse, the great-granddaughter of Henri Matisse, um, Thierry Noir, the first uh, artist to paint the Berlin Wall, and one of the founders of European Street Art. Uh, Mr. Doodle, who uh, has 2.3 million Instagram followers and is this crazy illustrator, a little bit like uh, Keith Haring. 
Yeah, beautiful, beautiful board. Thank you. Um, and yeah, we, we are stocked at Harrods. We're just about to launch a Bergdorf Goodman uh, in New York. Um, and yeah, in some art galleries as well. And we do a lot of bespoke ones and we also do playing cards and darts, uh, checkers, backgammon. Um, yeah, we've been around since 2012. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's been amazing. I've been part of Perling London, uh, 2000, yeah, about 2012, I think I joined or two, yeah, around that mm. time. Um, and it's been amazing just to see things develop and, and more artists coming on board and yeah. creating new sets. Uh, also different. That's what's great about it because we take the, the classic Staunton design, mm -hmm. um, which is the one everyone knows, the classic yeah. shapes. Um, and then all the artists come up with such different designs, different concepts. So all of them end up looking really, very different despite yeah. having the same starting point. Right, right, right. Like you have this one cornerstone, but That's all right. the different myriad ways you can, can jump yeah. into yeah, it, get exactly. changed. We've got sets uh, around the themes of, of feminism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Plastics in the Ocean yeah. by, yeah. by Nettie, yeah. Maximalism. Yeah. Um, uh, Things to do with kind of just play, like fun and play, like Alice in Wonderland. We've had themes on that. We've yeah. had, um, yeah, it's been... Naivety that's and right, little yeah. cherubs on the board. Cherubs, yeah, that's great. Um, Love that By one. stencil artist DS. Yeah, amazing. amazing um, yeah, so yeah. many unique ones. And then some artists have chopped the pieces in half. Um, put sea sponge on top of them, Andrew Hancock, and uh, most eccentric set, set you've ever seen in your life. It's amazing. There's like an egg on there. There's like all sorts of random, yeah. <laughs> random things. It's incredible. And Daniela Raychev has made some really interesting, interesting sets as well with spikes. With, yeah, to do with addictions and stuff like that. It's great. Really amazing. Yeah, and the really environment amazing. as well. She she well. showed one of her pearling chess sets at the Saatchi Gallery. Yeah, that's right. Um, Last year. Yeah, and um, we were in Christie's, weren't we, just in December as well. That was great. Yeah, we Kyo Locke and Louette, Sophie yeah. Matisse, Daniel Bruce Satin's amazing stained glass, illuminated stained glass chess table. That was fantastic, yeah. Um, yeah, lot, yeah. always something new. Always something Every new. day is different. Yeah. <laughs> so, Simon, like, what inspired you to take such a radical artistic approach to chess sets because like you know like over the years i've heard so many different people who love chess you know say like oh man like this chess set is cool just like a standard board right but what if what if there was blue over here what if there was yet like you see it but then like you're actually doing it yeah like tell me about like what sparked you to actually do it because i think that's the difference right people have oh this idea is cool that idea is cool and then there's a difference you like I'm committed to making new chess boards, new approaches, you know what I mean? Sure. So uh, I used to work, I'm a chartered engineer, so I love design. I used to work in finance in the city, but I wanted to do something more creative, start my own business. I've always wanted to do that. And I was playing chess on the beach in Indonesia with an old school friend of mine. And uh, there was some Rastafarians playing Bob Marley on acoustic guitars. We were having a few beers and the sun was setting over the sea. It was a really uh, great evening. And uh, as the sun went down, uh, it got darker and darker and it became quite difficult to differentiate between the chess pieces. And I thought it was quite stealthy, quite, quite interesting, another level to the game. And then I thought about 
uh, illumination of the board. And I thought it'd be beautiful to have that and have shadows over the pieces. And so that's the first design that I came up with. Yeah, that's a great board. illuminated board. board. That board, the the, the, the actual board is lit. If, yeah. You know what I mean? For, for, for those listening, the actual board is lit. And... Um, it creates just like a powerful, it's different, man. Like it's magnetic, just like you're drawn to the board. Yeah, it looks yeah. quite stealthy. Your yeah. opponent has like shadows over his face. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a real good atmosphere. Yeah. Interesting atmosphere. So anyway, I did, I did that one. And then I kind of questioned why so many uh, chess pieces of brown varnished wood. Yeah. And I thought it was a missed opportunity. I wanted to kind of revamp them, the Stornland design with color, I discovered the long history of art and chess and that so many artists, like Marcel Duchamp from mm-hmm. Man Ray, Tracy yeah. Ehrman, Damien Hirst, had all created uh, chess sets. But with a, lo- a lot of them, you can't really play chess with them because mm-hmm. you can't differentiate between the chess pieces. And I thought, take the Stornland design that everybody loves, um, plays with regularly, and have artists modify it and decorate it and revamp it and... Um, that's how, yeah, came yeah. to the concept of the uh, Perling Art Chess. Now, how was the initial response? Was the initial response awesome? Was the initial response like cool, but it's too weird? You know, what what was what was your general? Um, so I started with three artists: um, Olivia Pilling, uh, Joanna Skislovitz, and Richard Morrissey. Mm-hmm. The latter uh, with I met through uh, West London Art Factory. Mm-hmm. which is this cool artist studio that we used to be located at. Um, and they each did four uh, chess sets each. And at that time, we were just painting, uh, having the chess pieces painted, and it was on a kind of standard maple wood board. And, yeah, I, um, I sold all of those. Um, the quality of those sets wasn't as good as it is now. We definitely re- refined it. Mm. But it definitely gave a kind of basis to it and helped us get into an art gallery uh, called Debut Contemporary, through which I met many more artists. Right. And we kind of uh, improved and improved them. And about a year later, launched in Harrods. And it was interesting, the Harrods, we, we, we do a standard chess set as well, the bowl chess, and we used to do it in lots of different colors. And I ordered some, um, some light green chess pieces. But they came delivered to us in dark green, completely, totally completely so, wrong, yeah. completely <laughs> right. incorrect shade. And I looked at them and I was like, oh, what are we going to do with these? And then I thought, that's Harrods green. So I sent those, those chess pieces to Harrods and that got me the first meeting with a Harrods buyer wow. who I'd been writing to for about a year. Now that's hustling. That's <laughs> yeah. hustling thinking right there. For real, for real. A lot of people just would have been pissed off and just, you know what I mean? Like, that's hustler thinking. I like that. So persistence. So Absolutely. Yeah. Your listeners, definitely persistence. And then you're going to get a lucky break at some point. Yeah. yeah. And the buyer at Harris was, we met with him. He really liked what we were doing, but he wasn't sure if they had a location that the chessboards were going to fit in because they're quite large. They're 55 by 55 centimeters. And they weren't sure if they had a cabinet. Anyway, so... I followed up a month later and I said, can we meet you in store and see if they fit? Mm-hmm. And I took two chessboards down uh, with me, met the buyer in the store. They literally fitted in with like no, five millimeters. 
like, yes. <laughs> We're in. That is beautiful. Now look, that's how close you can come to not getting in. But if you don't try, you won't know. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. <laughs> so yes. I went with two, uh, two chess sets, uh, one by uh, Darren McPherson. Yeah. And um, it sold within one week for three and a half thousand pounds. And that just cemented the relationship with Harrah's. And then they've been such massive supporters of Perling yeah. since then. They've really invested in the brand. They promoted us. They put us in the magazine. Mm-hmm. The sale, the sales guy there is a, uh, a lovely chap called John. He's really an ambassador for Perling and, yeah. and really uh, works yeah. with the customers to get exactly what they want. And yeah, they've been great supporters. We must have been with Harrods now yeah. five or six years. Yeah. That is yeah, beautiful, man. Great, that yeah. is beautiful. That is very inspirational, you know, on, a, on an entrepreneurial level and, and on a creative level. You know, Thank you. That's fantastic. Nettie, tell me about the amazing board that you guys have had at the uh, World Chess Hall of Fame in St. Louis. You made a, an original board with a beautiful concept that really kind of fuses this this thing that most people think about, like that is not connected, meaning like you know, like chess and like nature. And you found a very beautiful and effective way to um, fuse them. Talk about this board and talk about what what you what you've had at, at the World Chess Hall of Fame and like how it's been received. Sure, of course. Um, yeah, so um, the World Chess Hall of Fame was was coming up, and I wanted to create um, uh, my board. I wanted to have a theme, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of concept. Um, so I I set a I settled on the idea of um, the oceans because it was quite topical. You know, the, the the fact there's lots of plastic fragments in the oceans, a lot of a lot of problems um, with uh, the destruction of marine life mm-hmm. um, and and to do with the bleaching of corals and all this, the f- uh, devastation that's mm-hmm. happening in the, uh, in, in the oceans, which, of course, affects everything. Um, so I decided that I also wanted it to look beautiful. I didn't want it to just have a message. I also wanted it to look, yeah. look like a lovely set so you could just look at it and think, oh, that's a nice set. Or you could find out a bit more about it, hopefully, and, yeah, um, look and, into it. and see what it what it's all about. Um, and I also wanted it to have enough differentiation that, you know, one side is is very clearly different from the other. So it was very important to me, those three things. I wanted to have a playable. message, it yeah. was playable, and and it also looked <laughs> looked lovely. Um, so um, what I uh, what I did was on the um, the white, the white pieces, um, um, I made as the bleaching the bleaching of the corals. So they're all um, sort of graduating uh, from sort of sort of darker tones up to kind of really pasty tones, the right. idea of the colour being sucked out. But of course, if you just look at it, it actually looks, took forever to do, but they, they look lovely when you have these lovely pearlized yeah. paints. And no, it's they, a magnificent they, set. This thank is a you. beautiful, beautiful set. Thank you. Uh, and then the other side, so for the black pieces, I, I represented the plastics in the ocean. So they're sort of a lovely teal Again, some nice pearlized colours, but with little little specks in it, which yeah. represent the fragments of the plastic, without being too sort of literal, without without being too sort of ugly bits of you know. Yeah, no, this is a fantastic set, and, and, and it's um, Thank you. it's yes. so important. I think that you know when you can when you can creatively infuse the board with art that Absolutely. has a cause in it. That's that's yeah. there's so many layers happening you that's know what i mean so at one time just looking at it let alone playing on it you know? oh, 
Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. stunning work. Oh, thank really you. Yeah. It's thank really you. fantastic. Thank you so, much, yeah. so talk to me about, Simon, how has the response been? How What was the response like at the World Chess Hall of Fame? Tell me about that experience. Oh, fantastic. I mean, the team there were absolutely fantastic. They were. The, giving us the opportunity to really step up and work with um, more like more and more artists, more and more famous artists, you know, gave us the opportunity yeah. to work with Thierry Noir, mm-hmm. you know, this famous, uh, incredibly famous street artist and Mr. Doodle yeah. and show off Sophie Matisse's sets. We, yes, we worked with 20 artists there and it was just a room full of color and chess. Yeah. It really so was Amazing, yeah. very, very colorful. I mean, you have truly vibrant sets, you know, um, I mean, they really set you guys apart, man. Thank that you. That is really awesome. And we had the the virtual reality. We we've collaborated with uh, a video game developer, uh, Ripstone, on a game called Chess Ultra. Um, and you can download some of the art chess sets by Mr. Jiver, by Olivia Pilling, by Netty, um, in VR and play them like through Oculus uh, and PlayStation VR. Which we're going to let you have a go on later. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. So there's like a lot of interaction to the World Chess Hall of Fame yeah. show as well. Yeah. You know, the kids love that. The and dudes. even like the older people that went there as well, they were trying out virtual reality for the yeah. first time. Yeah. It's great. And yeah. Uh, could play on some of the sets that were at the show. Yeah, that was amazing. There. Yeah, yeah. So you'd see the Mr. Jiver uh, neon pink paint splashed over Staunton chess pieces. Mm-hmm. And you'd see it in the mm-hmm. case. And then you could play against the Grim Reaper in a volcano right. uh, in a video game. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really cool. Now, talk to me about how long did that take to build this technological piece? Like, what, what was the process for that? Um, so it was about a year uh, in the planning and making. Mm. So we had a, a great intern uh, called Michael, uh, who was studying industrial design and was a real whiz kid on uh, 3D modeling. Mm-hmm. And he spent probably three months yeah. in intricate detail, 3D modeling uh, the Perling Staunton chess set. Um, and so we kind of had that asset already that um, we then worked with Ripstone to put that into the game. Mm-hmm. So this 3D model. And what the artist did, it was uh, really interesting and yeah. like genuine process. So. Mr. Jiver and Olivia, uh, their sets, um, they, they ba- basically painted uh, some canvases um, with some two, two-dimensional flat pieces of paper that were then scanned. Um, and then that image of the original artwork was overlaid on the it's 3D model around it. of yeah. the chess pieces. Wow. Great, yeah. And then Nettie's set was uh, based on St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow with its beautiful multicolored towers. Mm. And we kind of, um, well, you, you explain. Yeah, so, um, so for that one, um, with the Mr. Jive and Olivia, it was very obvious that they needed to sort of paint all the brush strokes and everything on the, the right. 2D. It was my one, it was areas of color, areas of flat color. So all we needed to do for mine was to just give the... Um, the Pantones, the Pantones, I guess. Yeah. The Pantones, so so they could just reproduce right, so could what colour mm-hmm. I'd used, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, so yeah, job. they did a great job, and they, yeah, it does look amazing, and the, all the locations are fantastic in, in there. They've done a really yeah, great job. Yeah, you play in this li- old so library nice. and yeah. the Roman hall, yeah. and 
It's yeah, great game. It's great game. Really yeah. immersive. Environments are cool. Now, did yeah, you approach maybe. Ripstone or did Ripstone approach you? Like, how was that initiated? That's a good question. I think I approached them actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were they were keen from from the beginning. I think yeah. the the kind of the art and the kind of luxury brand. They thought yeah, the, the, it was a good fit because mm-hmm. they had this beautiful 4K graphic game, mm-hmm. and um, they wanted to have some extra downloadable content for it. And so yeah, yeah there were a lot of synergies I think mm-hmm. between us. Yeah. That is really fantastic. So what is next? Ooh, I mean, you guys have done, good you've, you've made so much history and you've broken so much new ground artistically and technologically, you know, uh, what's next? Sure. Well, we've got a few things There's in always planning, a few haven't things. we? Yeah. Like it sounds like it. Like I'm really things. keen on the, on the street art, uh, mm-hmm. with the, with the chess sets and the, and the backgammon. We're launching a new backgammon board. Okay. Uh, there's an improved design. Um, and I think really will appeal to, to backgammon players. Mm-hmm. Amazing and sets there, yeah. We'll will work very nicely with with the artwork, um, yeah. and um, yeah, I want to do work with more street artists. I love the contrast of of the really traditional Staunton chess set mm-hmm. um, with with the street art on top and yeah. the bright colors and so forth. There's something, there's so something forth. very um, yin and yangish about it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like you have this really standard board completely turned upside down in different ways over yeah. and over again, right? Yeah. Like that's really definitely. fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, working with a more and more well-known artist, mm-hmm. I think is definitely an objective. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we'd like to do a little bit more in virtual reality as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We're, yeah, we've got a few few plans for that yeah, that we're working on yeah. <laughs> to kind of uh, bring together uh, games and play and art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That's very fantastic. Well, thank you both for being on Bishop Chronicles. If someone's trying to reach out to you, how can they contact you? Where can they see all of the awesomeness that you bring to the game? Sure, thank you. Um, so at perlinglondon.com, all one word. Yeah, you guys really need to go there because listen, it is hard for me to convey the nuanced beauty of these boards and, and the innovation in the design. Like, you know, we're sitting here talking, obviously, right? but you can't see what we see. I need you to go look at that site and really soak in what they're doing because it's truly beautiful. And if you're someone that loves chess uh, and, and, and is considering, you know, the different ways that, that chess can be innovated, like this can serve as a fantastic cornerstone uh, artistically and, and as a business model for you to see how people do it right. So thank you both for being on Bishop Chronicles and and I appreciate you uh, sharing your time with me today. Adisa, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right now, take care. Teacher, what style is that?